should fundraisers respond when some donors want to throw us overboard because of financial overhead? I'm Bill Stanjakovich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, joined again by our colleague, Ann Fitzgerald. Ann leads a successful and effective nonprofit and fundraising consulting company that works across the United States, and she also serves on our faculty with the fundraising school. And great to have you back with us on the fundraising school's It's delightful to be here, Bill. Thank you so much. And don't forget, I also got my master's in philanthropic studies at Indiana University, also an alum. Yes, an alum of the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, which we're proud to boast about every time that we work with Anne. And first of all, you know, we love definitions of terms. What is financial overhead? Well, overhead is a, a range of expenses that a nonprofit might have. Think about it as non-program expenses. So the other costs associated with running a nonprofit. So this could be accounting costs, fundraising, your marketing, even your IT and technology, as well as the salary and benefits that might be associated with some of those roles. And so, you know, direct costs are the costs that exist because the program exists. Let's say we have a youth basketball league. We're talking about the basketballs and the jerseys that the kids wear and the other expenses associated with the league. Overhead are the expenses that exist because the agency exists. So this is the building that the youth sports league is happening in. We're going to have that building, whether we have a youth sports league or not. And of course, all the utilities and other costs associated with maintaining that building. And why is this important to fundraising? Well, any organization, and whether this is for-profit or non-profit, is more successful if it has this strong capacity in place. So you have to have these systems in order to operate. But the, the challenge is that nonprofits tend to both under-report and under-invest in overhead. And you know, donors, one of the top reasons they give, donors give for a wide variety of reasons, different donors give for different reasons, but there can be this shared reason of impact. They want to see results. How often do you hear from your clients who you serve, people you teach at the fundraising school, that donors aren't all that excited about overhead? They'd rather fund the basketballs and the kids running up and down the basketball court. How big of a challenge is this for fundraising in terms of getting those overhead expenses covered? Sure. Well, I think the interesting thing is if we start going to the academic research that's out there right now, and there's more of it, and it's very interesting, and some being done through Indiana University, they're actually finding that donors are not as adverse to overhead as we think. And in also, in very interestingly, that organizations that invest more in overhead have better programmatic outcomes that the, than those that don't. So I think over time, we have certainly put in, in our psyche that somehow overhead is bad and that donors don't want to fund any of it. But I think it's also making sure that we're positioning overhead correctly and explaining it well to our donors that allows them to understand the value of investing in that. And so again, some of that research demonstrating that there are donors who get it. They understand we need a building that has heat and lights and internet connection and all of these things necessary before we can even organize and have our basketball league. Uh, And so many donors understand this. And how should a fundraiser respond to that donor who says, I want all of my money going to programs. I don't want that money going to overhead. And we do hear some uh, messages like that from donors, very well-intentioned donors, not saying that the donors are wrong in making that statement. They're very interested in the well-being of the programs. How should fundraisers respond when they hear that concern? 
Well, I think they have to start by, by wanting to show the donors the impact and how that the overhead actually helps them have better impact. And let me give you one quick example. Let's say in the, in the for-profit world, let's say I own Apple stock, and which I don't, I wish I did, but if let's say I did. Um, and I, to get the best return on that stock, I want the, the employees to be well compensated at Apple and I want them to be trained well. Well, in the nonprofit world, if we offer professional development or increase certain salaries, that can be thrown into overhead. And in fact, we don't end up having keeping employees or having them well-trained, which affects the outcome of our programs. So sometimes I think you have to lay it out for donors and maybe from a business perspective might help explain it better. Yeah. Can you give me an example? Let's say I'm that donor, you're fundraising for me. And I say now, and I want Carmen and I want our gift to go entirely to the program and entirely to the program results. I'm concerned that this is going to be eaten up by overhead along the way. How would you respond? Well, I think I would say you. I understand your concern, first of all, and it's a very legitimate concern. But let's talk about what we say overhead. What What do you think overhead is? How would you define it? Because I think we have to understand what the donors are thinking about. Sometimes to them, overhead could be anything for like a, a, a rich staff retreat. They think it's being eaten up by enormous salaries. And instead, maybe they'd be very willing to support something related to the IT or technology that might support the, the programmatic outcomes that would and, otherwise be considered uh, overhead. And this is part of our professional stance as fundraisers, advocating for the well-being and health of the nonprofit organization so that we can implement our programs and have that impact that we can enjoy. And are there some guidelines on you know percentage of budget that should be overhead? Is there kind of some industry standards that you know, nonprofit leaders, including the fundraising team, should be thinking about to say also to donors, in addition to that big picture, we need this overhead to be effective, that we're also within kind of accepted guidelines. What does that look like? Well, as I said at the beginning, nonprofits tend to underreport and under underinvest in overhead. So on the underreporting side, what we see is that many nonprofits will report 10 to 20% of investment in overhead. But the studies have shown in reality, they're spending closer to 35%. Mm. So they're not always reporting it. And, and the 990s don't always have apples to apples in terms of how organizations are evaluating these expenses. I would say is first having a very clear sense of what it is that you want to invest in and why do you need to invest in that? And then you can create a justification for that. I don't know if there's a, a, a specific set amount you have to strive for. Certainly, it, it wouldn't be 50% or anything like that. But there are times in your organization's history where you may need to invest a little bit more. For example, you're at a point where you're trying to grow the organization. Maybe you have to put a little bit more into prospecting either digital acquisition or direct mail acquisition, that's going to be more costly for a period of time. That's something you might have to be able to explain to your, your board and your and your donors as well. And, and inherent in that answer is our fundraising expenses, and we need to have a separate fundraising budget. We need to spend money to raise money. That's also factored into overhead, correct? Correct. Yes. And it, certainly having fundraising, we all know it it takes money to raise money. <laughs> so we have to invest in that. Uh, but I think looking at that and saying, are we, what is, is this investment correct? Um, I think fundraising 10 to 15% of your budget as a baseline certainly would be something I would look at 
again, at times, perhaps more if you're doing a a high degree of acquisition. And we need to ensure that our employees are well paid at a just wage and higher with strong and full benefits and have the support that they need. I bring that up also in the context of a nonprofit might be tempted to say, oh, our overhead is only 3%. Our overhead is only 5%. That also can be a negative signal as well that maybe we're not providing enough for overhead. Can you explain that, please? Absolutely. When organizations under invest, they starve themselves out. Certainly the whole study of overhead and the concerns with it is nothing new. More than 10 years ago, the Bridgespan Group did a study with Indiana University called the Nonprofit Starvation Diet, excuse me, the Nonprofit Starvation Cycle. And what they found was that nonprofits tend to underreport Funders have the wrong expectation. This becomes a a vicious cycle where less and less money is being allocated to overhead. So it's really, really important that we understand how to invest in it as we move forward. And there are several different techniques that nonprofits can utilize to actually fold some of those overhead expenses into their direct program expenses. And we teach these at the fundraising school, primarily having a time study of how everyone spends their time and using those percentages to spread some of the overhead into direct expenses. Uh, Some other nonprofits use a so-called space study where they kind of determine how much square footage is used for a program and use that percentage of the total square footage to spread overhead out. Others, quite frankly, add up all of their expenses and and use a a multiplier, you know, a certain fraction, maybe 20% or 25% and and add that in as overhead. A lot of different respected ways uh, that you can do this. Uh, And of course, the remaining overhead that isn't folded into the programs, this is where our earned income comes in. Our unrestricted gifts uh, can be utilized as well. With that in mind, Anne, how important is it for the fundraising leadership, the fundraising team to be included at the budget preparation meetings for the entire nonprofit so that they can understand the budget and be able to explain it to donors? How important is that? Oh, that's critically important. And I don't actually think you can go through a budget process without having the fundraising department or the fundraising team at the table, because they have to be able to, they're going to ultimately people explaining this to donors and having an understanding that, but also advocating for enough investment, but as you point out, the right allocation of that investment. You're right. Sometimes accountants, well-meaning lump things together and it artificially increases overhead when in in fact, sometimes the overhead, it really isn't that high. And by correctly allocating, frees up some money to be able to invest in better ways. This conversation with Ann Fitzgerald has helped us gain a better understanding of budget overhead and how we can fundraise and the messages that we can have for the donors who express some legitimate concerns about overhead and how that uh, impacts the uh, overall effectiveness of the nonprofit organization. But something else has been revealed in this conversation as well. Absolutely delighted the way that Ann has cited research and has translated that research into practical fundraising activity, behavior, and strategy. And that's our greatest strength at the fundraising school. It's part of the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, from which Anne has earned her master's degree. We believe our, our greatest strength is our research team and our academic faculty and other friends of the school uh, who are doing research. And we translate that research into practical application for fundraising effectiveness. That's why our alumni at the fundraising school meet or exceed their fundraising goals at a rate higher than the national average. You can learn through our public courses, which are available in person 
or online. That's where you'll, where you'll be able to intersect with Ann Fitzgerald as she teaches for us. And she also teaches for us occasionally in our custom training where we can design courses especially for you. We have our quarterly webinars and these free podcasts. Other information is available about our new textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition coming out in the spring of 2022, the latest gathering of translating that research into effective fundraising practice. As well, you will find information about our academic programs, including our online master's degree, and right now, brand new, our professional doctorate degree. Here's the website, philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. So grateful for our guest today, Ann Fitzgerald, our producers today, Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Sanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.